0: Hi, I'm Edwin. And I'm Andrew. Two men. 15 minutes.
1: Eternal impact.
0: Welcome to Text Talk. His glory I will see. Welcome to the podcast. We're looking at Acts chapter 7. Edwin, what is our text for today?
1: We're going to read the very end of the chapter, starting at verse 51. I am reading from the English Standard Version, where it says in verse 51, You stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit. As your fathers did, so do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who announced beforehand the coming of the Righteous One, whom you have now betrayed and murdered. You who received the law as delivered by angels and did not keep it. Now, when they heard these things, they were enraged and they ground their teeth at him. But he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, behold, I see the heavens opened and the son of man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and rushed together at him. Then they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep.
0: So we are coming now to the conclusion of Stephen's sermon and uh, the response from the audience. Uh, it, It just occurs to me, And just even as you were reading this, we've read a a couple of different sermons in the book of Acts now, in Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 3. It seems like these sermons always get interrupted. Like, I am not sure exactly how an apostolic sermon would conclude other than the crowd breaking through and doing something, right? So Acts chapter two, he, he's you know he, he's convicting. Him. We get to verse thirty-six: this Jesus whom you crucified. God has made both Lord and Christ." And it's the people interrupting them. What shall we do? I like that interruption better. Yeah, yeah. Acts chapter 3, and it's by the power of Jesus, and they arrest him and <laughs> drag him out of there. I don't like that interruption very much. Acts chapter 7, he calls them uncircumcised of hard and stiff-necked and all of this. Um, you know, you've received the law by the de- direction of angels. You have not kept it. So, I mean, he, he really, really Indicts them and convicts them, and again the sermon is interrupted. Now I would have to say I'm not exactly sure where Stephen would go from there, but it's it's not the Sawdust Trail, it's not the Altar Call, it's it's not that at all. And um, and the response that he evokes out of his audience uh, is immediate. It is violent. Even in this, God is glorified. I mean, God's truth is being declared. But I mean, and I I don't know what the answer would be, but none of these fellows in these early sermons really get to bring it into a conclusion. There's always this abrupt interruption.
1: Like I said a minute ago, I I really like that interruption in Acts chapter 2. I would love to have my sermons interrupted with somebody saying, I want to respond. I want to respond. Cut to the chase. What have I got to do? Let's do that.
0: Well, they all respond, friend. I think... uh... (laughs) Wow. It's not always good when somebody raises their hands. and so I went to respond. <laughs> yes. The Sanhedrin council. You're right, though. The response is not let me let me raise a counterpoint to this, Stephen. I don't want that. No, want that no.
1: That is what happens here, though. In fact, it's not just raise a counterpoint. And in fact, we're not surprised because before all of this started back in Acts chapter six, the reason he's before the council is because the synagogue of the freedmen and the Cyrenians excuse me, Cyrenians and Alexandrians and all the, the folks could not withstand. The spirit and wisdom of Stephen. It's not getting any better for them. He has just given them this amazingly packed sermon, and they're not withstanding the spirit any better. They don't have an argument against this. And they've been called on the carpet. They've been called, I mean, it's been straight to the heart. You guys aren't listening. You've never listened, and you are doing exactly what your fathers did. You're doing what the patriarchs did with Joseph. You're doing what that one fellow did with Moses. You're doing what Israel did at Mount Sinai. You're doing what the Israelites have done with all of the prophets and all those who have announced the coming of the righteous one. And then the righteous one got here and you murdered him. Mm-hmm. You murdered him. Mm-hmm. And then now they're, well, now they've got a choice. Let's back up before I explain what the choice was. Now they've got a choice. Are they going to listen to Stephen? Or are they not going to listen to Stephen? Are they going to repent, let Jesus be king in their lives, confess their faith in him, and follow the message of this messenger? Or are they going to do what their people have done time out of mind again and again and again, and sadly, they repeat the whole thing again with Stephen? Right. They right. stop their ears, they rush at him, and they decide to stone him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And all of this is set up to be a parallel to Jesus. As Luke records this and the, the, the bits and pieces that he pulls out and brings to our attention, it is showing us the parallel with Jesus. And I think, I think Luke probably has an underlying point here. It's the one we've said before, if you follow in the footsteps of Jesus— you're going to end up following in the footsteps of Jesus. If we teach like Jesus taught, if we teach what Jesus taught, if we bring the message of Jesus,
0: we will get what Jesus got. It's also a demonstration here of an unbroken cycle, which ought to be broken. Mm. God raises up a messenger. They reject him. They turn on him. And and here we go again. Last Friday, I think it was, as we were wrapping up Acts chapter 6,
1: I homed in on that statement that Luke makes about Stephen and how the council saw him as if he had the face, the face of, an of an angel, angel there yeah. in Acts chapter 16 and verse, uh, Acts chapter 6 and verse 15. Now we come back to that because in Acts chapter 7 and verse 53, you who received the law as delivered by angels and did not keep it. Hmm. I believe Luke is intending for us to tie those statements together. Mm-hmm. What does Stephen say? You received the law as delivered by angels, but you didn't keep it. Right. At the very beginning of the sermon, Luke has pointed out that the council can see Stephen's face and it's it's shining like that of an angel. What that means on a very practical level, I don't know. Had these guys ever seen angels? Was this just about what they might imagine an angel to look like? Is this just Luke's comment on that? Luke does tell us about the mount of transfiguration and the shining of Jesus' face. Maybe he's calling some of that to mind. I I do think that the author of this history is is directing his points as he reveals different aspects of this. But I think he is trying to make that connection. The law, they accepted it as given by angels, but they didn't keep it. Now they're hearing the sermon from a fellow who has the face of an angel. What are they going to do with it? Don't be surprised that they do the same thing with this guy and his angelic face that they did with the law and its angelic messenger. They're not going to keep it. And that's exactly what happens. Yeah,
0: and they did with the Lord. Now, I know we've got a couple of um, points we want to draw out of this, but just real quick, maybe another comment, another observation is that Stephen is incredible to me. His example is incredible to me that even as they are stoning him, even as they are dying, um, again, he models Jesus Jesus, uh, seeking their forgiveness Lord Jesus receive my spirit do not charge them with this sin um, father forgive them they know not what they do uh, it, it, it that one was it, Jesus it is, that last yeah, one was Jesus, no I'm sorry Stephen, I was yeah. calling it to mind that's right calling it to mind that's what Jesus said as they were crucifying him father forgive them they know not what they do and and so the um, follow follow Jesus Follow Jesus. You do what Jesus did. You get what Jesus got. Yeah. I think that's
1: something we need to recognize today in modern American Christianity because I think there is a tendency to believe that if I were really following Jesus right,
0: everything would be great. Because everybody loved Jesus.
1: Everybody loved Jesus, and he was just making money hand over fist. He had a wonderful retirement. His family was just so peaceful and pleasant. It was just wonderful. Everybody always did what he said, everybody always loved him, and it was just wonderful. And there's almost this idea, even among Christians, that if I really followed Jesus right, it would be great. People would like me, I'd be successful on the job, I'd have a great retirement, my family's going to be wonderful.
0: So you mean like the way of the cross has no cross?
1: <laughs> the way of the, yeah, that's, that's almost what you got. We are on the way of the cross. Mm-hmm. Now, I get it. We live in a culture that has historically been a little bit more friendly to the way of the cross than, than historical, than throughout history, than especially back during the time of Paul and Stephen. But, man, we've got to understand when I, when I do what Jesus did, I get what Jesus got. And I think that's going to be increasingly happening to us in the future as as our culture is
0: changing and becoming less and less friendly toward Christianity. So let's think about then who Jesus is, and, and particularly a, a picture that we gain from him here in Acts 7. A couple of words I know you were talking about before we started recording. Redeemer and ruler. Mm. Everybody wants a redeemer.
1: Mm-hmm. Not everybody wants a ruler. Mm-hmm. In fact... You know, that was that was the point that ties back to those fellows who got mad at Moses up in the middle of Acts chapter seven, when he says, who made you ruler and judge over us? And this is the part that causes people not to like Jesus, because even though there is salvation and there is life, inherent in all of that is a certain amount of Judgment, mm-hmm. a certain amount of you did wrong, and this gets to what's going on here. You know, we talked about the interruptions. Right. In Acts chapter two, there was an interruption that says, "Oh no, we killed the Messiah. What are we going to do what next?" Do we, well, yeah. What do we do? Here we've got an interruption, and and it's we're not going to admit we killed the Messiah. But you've said it, and we're not going to tolerate that. We really have these interruptions at the exact same point in the sermon, the point at which you killed the Messiah. One response was, oh no. Mm -hmm. I killed the Messiah. What am I going to do next? One of them was, Oh no, I'm not going to admit I killed the Messiah. I'm going to kill you. Kill you too. The and those are our choices. Mm -hmm. I am either going to hear about my sin, recognize the judgment of God against my sin, and and having been able to recognize that, bring it to Jesus so he can forgive it, or I am going to refuse to recognize my sin, refuse to admit my sin, and when I'm in that position, I, I want to say can't. Maybe that's the wrong word, but I won't bring my sin to Jesus because I'm just not in that mind. I'm I'm neglecting it. I'm refusing it. And typically, what I do in that moment is I turn on anyone. Who wants to say that I need to? Even though the thing being offered is actually salvation. The thing being offered is not judgment, it's salvation being offered, but all I can hear is the judgment, and so I won't come get the salvation.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Those are my choices today. Those are your choices today. I don't know, for those of you who are listening in, where you are spiritually. We're all sinners. We all need Jesus. We're going to be gathering together with our brothers and sisters on Sunday at 10 o'clock for our worship assembly. We're going to have Bible classes at 9. We'd love for you to be there information in our show notes about how to how to meet us and come join us. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us at texttalk at org. We'd love to know your responses to some of the things that we're saying or if you have questions that you'd like us to, to especially talk about or if you're learning from some other text in the Bible, we'd we'd love to hear about that. Give us a give us a shout through email. We're going to find that in our show notes again. Let's wrap up
0: today and this week with a prayer. Our great God and Father, Lord thank you for the time. Thank you for the many lessons that we draw from even this quick reading of Acts chapter 7. We are very humble today to think about how Jesus Christ is a ruler as well as a redeemer. And Father, we want a Savior. We need a Savior. We thank you that there's a Savior in Jesus. But may we be humble to understand we also take him as Lord. It's not either or, it's both. And, Father, we thank you for the gift, which is Jesus. Help us to walk in that light and that glory. Be open to your word and humble to obey. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.
1: Thanks for talking about the text with us today. I'm Edwin Crozier, and I'd like to invite you to join the Christians Who Meet on Livingston Avenue this Sunday for our Bible classes and worship. You can find out more at ChristiansMeetHere.org. Check out our daily written devotional that goes along with today's episode. You can find a link for it in our show notes. Michael Eldridge wrote and sang all four parts of our theme song. You can get more from him at acapeldridge.com. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast so others can learn about it more easily. Have a great day.